0: This podcast includes explicit language and situations. It is intended for adults 18 years of age and older. These thoughts and opinions are not those of any specific group, employer, or individual. Listener discretion
1: is advised. From the Spade and Arches studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign with your hosts, Justin
0: Reardon and Kelly Hanahan. Justin, hi. Kelly Hanahan. How are
1: you, sweetheart?
0: We are here for episode 16, I'm
1: super good, how are you? I am so here for this, this episode, yeah. this is like sweet 16, right?
0: Sweet 16.
1: Ah, mm-hmm. uh, where's my pink Corvette, uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We wanted to jump in today and talk about something that was on our mind, which is really powerful in real estate is partnership. We've, ta- we've previously talked on the podcast about business partnership, right? When people list together and work together, but what about our romantic partners? And squaring our romantic lives with these people we have to live with inside our really crazy real estate businesses and and what that's like, you know, we're gonna have a really awesome guest today to talk about that too, who's actually on the Asian side, but wanted to talk to you because you and your partner have a really cool agreement and have for a long, long time, right?
1: Yeah, this is like our our Valentine's special, right? Talking about love in the real estate world. My husband, Joe Reardon, we own Spade & Archer Halvesies. And although I am the managing partner and I run the entire thing, Joe owns half the company. Bless his heart. He's so sweet. We've been doing this for, it's going to be 12 years in April.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a while. Joe Reardon, like the first year that we were in business, I was doing pretty much everything. I was writing the contracts, doing the consults, site visits, drawing floor plans, yep. buying everything and staging it all all yep. by myself. He was so sweet. I came home one day and he was like, I want to be your assistant. And I was like, cool, right on. I'm like, okay, your first task, I have these like seven bills I need to mail and we're all out of stamps. Can you go get stamps tomorrow? And he's yeah. like, totally, I'll take care of it. And I was like, sweet. I come home from work the next day. Like I've been out and about like doing stuff all day long. Mm-hmm. I come home from work. I'm like, so do you have those stamps? And he's like, oh, I had a really busy day. I didn't have time to go get stamps. So I was like, okay, what were you working? I was like, well, you know, I lifted weights for a while and I brought you <laughs> to school. Julie's my son. I brought Julie to school and, you know, I watched... Uh, half an hour TV and I was like oh okay I these bills are due so I, I like really I need these stamps and he's like yeah 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 I can totally do that tomorrow not gonna be a problem at all and I was like okay awesome that'd be great fast forward 24 hours I come home he's in the kitchen he's so cute he has his little apron on he's making dinner because our deal was that if I worked full time he would have dinner on the table at 7pm every night that was our deal you do the grocery shopping you clean the house you put dinner on the table you do the laundry and I work all the time that's our deal and so I walk in the door and I I was like, Hey, baby, you got those stamps? And he's like, Oh, crap. And starts like taking off his apron like as fast as he can. And I was like, honey, stop. He's like, what? I'm like, I got the stamps two days ago and mailed the letters. And he's like, why did you do that? You said it was my job. And I was like, that was your interview process, man. Uh! And he's like, well, you didn't tell me that. I was like, yeah, if I told you that you would have behaved differently than when you would have really behaved. I was like, here's the thing. If you and I work together, if you're my assistant, when I say jump, you should say how high, when and in what direction. And then it should be done exactly. <laughs> (laughs) to my specifications. And if you and I end up working together, we will end up with either a successful business or a successful marriage, but not both. Mm -hmm. He was like, okay, I understand. It is very interesting to me when I meet people who are both married and running businesses together. Because I don't understand how that line gets drawn when you say we're at work, we're now at home. Like, how do you do that? And even if you draw that line, how do you obey those rules? And how do you keep from having work life creep into your home life? Do you know what I mean? Yep. Super duper, duper stressful to me. I know a lot of people who do it really successfully, like work with family members and have nieces and nephews or sisters or moms. And it works successfully like so well. I don't think I have one of those families that could do that.
0: <laughs> well, it's kind of like if it's worth it to you. The thing is, it's just like, yeah, you know, in the beginning is tough call because Joe is available to you and... You're invested in this together, but now you have a staff and you've got three full offices and you've got people who can perform all these things for you. So why would you ever tap in your family who you've got a- so many other lanes of life with? Why share those lanes? <laughs> like have it be separate. Like back in the day when I was running my online business, my husband wanted to help me. So what I did was I carved out a lane for him. Boundaries is super important as well. And, I'm, and you know, you're know, you talking about people doing business with all different kinds of families. And we hear it in real estate all the time. These real estate families, kids who join their parents or whatever it is. But it's just like, you have to have good boundaries, I would imagine, in order to really manage the endless amounts of details and chaos that can come with listing and all of that stuff. I'm just thinking about what agent's life are like. Like well-defined
1: rules, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or just like, this is my area. This is yours. But maybe it's client interaction. Someone's just better at doing versus like the nitty gritty of contract. Kind of like now, you know, like I love Cole's job because I'm just like, wow, your job is a whole bunch of stuff I don't want to do. I'm so glad that's in your lane and not part of my job description. Mm -hmm. Like, probably this part that seems cold about working with family is you really need your own job descriptions.
1: Right. Very clearly defined job description. And
0: right now you and Joe have your very clearly defined job descriptions for your life together.
1: Even within Spade and Archer. I mean, if you look at the trifecta of leadership, there's Chad who does operations and creative. He's the guy who's like out in the field all the time doing the actual project work. You're doing all the marketing, all the social media. That's all the stuff that's like before the work happens. This is getting people that's you basically screaming like pay attention to us. And then Cole does all that HR and money stuff. And so all mm-hmm. those three different sections are so well defined as to who's supposed to be in charge of what mm-hmm. and then the things that fall through the cracks that, that nobody else does that I'm like I'll grab it. I just kind of catch the crap that falls through. Sure, and then sure, and sure. then my job is like to look at the horizon to try to figure yes. out like where the hell we're going next. As an entrepreneur, it is really, really difficult to both work on your business and in your business. Correct. And because I have three of you that are working in the business on a regular basis, it makes it so that I can lift my head up every once in a while and look at the road that totally. we're driving down to like not not run into trees. And so many entrepreneurs that I meet are so busy doing everything for their business that they have no idea where they're going. And that's a dangerous place to be in. In the first year, one in five businesses that is founded actually survives the first 365 days. And the main reason why those four businesses fail is because of lack of capital. You don't have enough money. Then once we get past that step, within the first five years, only one in five businesses fail, but it's not because of lack of capital. It's due to lack of leadership. It's the founder is not able to spread themselves thin enough to cover all the bases, and so they have not replaced themselves successfully. And yep. so, the ones that survive that first five years are the ones that are able to hire people to replace them in the things that they're doing, so that they continue that work. I really am interested in talking to Amy Romberg. She's going to be our guest that's coming out. She's in the green room right now. She's with Windermere Real Estate. She's only been doing this since COVID started. So we're now what? What month Ew. are we in of COVID right now? Are we in like month nine or ten? I forget.
0: Yeah, we're approaching 10.
1: Okay, so we're 10 months into COVID. She's only been in this for like nine months total. And so I'm really interested to find out what she's doing. I think she also works with her wife as part of her business. And so I'm really interested to find out more from her. So you want to meet her?
0: Yeah, I can't wait.
1: Okay, I'll go get her.
2: Amy, so nice to meet you finally. (laughs) Kelly. It is great to meet you too. I have so enjoyed hearing your voice on the podcast and getting to know you. Oh, we found a listener. It's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. You actually exist. (laughs) Absolutely. Everything I know about real estate, I've learned through your podcast.
1: (laughs) So I noticed that that you took advantage of the hot tub that we just had installed in the green room. What did you think? Pretty comfortable? Was it warm enough?
2: It was fantastic. I mean, I, th- I think I'm always um, wanting things to be on the hot end, and I really found that the tub okay. just, you know, suited my needs for that. I also appreciated the pancake breakfast wow. that was delivered yes. while I was in the hot tub. I'm a little bit in a carby yeah. overload right now, so just forgive me if I'm a little slower with my switched, responses. We just switched
1: caterers, so um, I'm really glad that, that it worked out well because the last person just, they weren't delivering on time. They, yeah. The pancakes were fluffy. It was terrible, yeah. so pancakes and hot tubs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Green room, best part of coming on this show, man. (laughs) I'll be back. Should we like, should we tell the story of how we met? Do you want to talk about that? Like, how do you and I know each other?
2: (laughs) I... I like to tell this story whenever I am afforded the opportunity and sometimes when I'm not really, I just weave it into conversations because, um, oh, Justin, it was such a great moment and it just sticks out in my brain forever. So I don't know actually how many years ago. It was at least eight or nine years ago.
1: I want to say. Yes.
2: So this is pre-real estate for me. I come into this work with a background as a licensed clinical social worker. So anyway, I was involved in a transaction with the illustrious Beth Kellen. Uh, She was actually selling my mom's house at the time. And I am the oldest and, you know, my mom is local at this point. So I'm super helpful and involved in her life. And so Beth brought in her very favorite stager, Justin. And we were doing a walkthrough through the house. We'd finished the conversations about why not to paint any rooms, green or yellow, particularly bathrooms. <laughs> and we were all sort of enjoying the conversation <laughs> about learning about the the process of staging a home and making it ready for sale. And my partner showed up, uh, my partner, who's now my wife, Glenn. She was a little bit late. So we were like halfway through the tour, I think. And we were upstairs and you know, she comes upstairs and she's kind of just popped into our conversation. Justin's kind of going room by room with us. And all of a sudden it was like the lights dimmed and <laughs> Justin and Glenn looked at each other And Justin, I think you said, you look familiar. And she said, you look familiar too. And it was like this moment, I just saw like the love connection in their eyes. And the two of them just from that, it was like everything else in the room disappeared. I think we all just sort of stood there, you know, moderately awkwardly for a moment while they looked deep into each other's eyes and um, fell madly in love. And I'm pretty sure... (laughs) that if Glenn and I don't, you know, stay married forever, that she might come knocking on your (laughs) door, Justin. I mean, we love Joe, but (laughs) they just had the most amazing connection. And I I think it's been a connection. I've really enjoyed watching grow and kind of the way that they interface and come in and out of each other's lives. So that was the moment. It was a pivotal moment.
1: I had a hard and fast rule that I would not be friends with any of my clients. Like it was something I learned that when I was a cheerleader in college, I dated a fellow cheerleader. And after you break up, you have to continue to still cheer with this person. And, you know, cheerleading is very physical contact. You're touching people a lot. And like to touch somebody that you are repulsed by sucks. And so I was like, that's cool. I'll just never be friends with anybody I work with ever again. And so you guys, you like broke this rule for me that we just kept running into to you because you know you're from the house of kellen absolutely and so you know just like you know coming from the house of kellen we're in the house of kellen as well and it became inevitable and in it, somehow or other we ended up like going to dinner with each other like quarterly like yes. every three months we go to dinner and it's been like that for like nine years yeah yeah and sure enough amy's wife's name is glenn but her real name is glenda and i think i may be the only person in the world who calls her glenda because i'm you like you have a name like glenda <laughs> you are That's the- a fantastic yes. name we're doing this episode it's Launching right around Valentine's Day, and so I was like, This is this has got to be our love episode because who do I love more than Amy and Glenn? Like nobody in the world. So oh. yeah, that's that's how it comes. Okay, so now we know that I'm in love with your wife and your life is Perfect. in love with me, which Perfect. is fantastic. I
2: think it's all above um, board. It's all above uh-huh. board. And just for the record, you're the only one who can call her Glenda, just so you know.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's never said don't call me. You that. are the only one. I was like, one. oh wow, I'm the only one. <laughs> yep. I think she knows that I do it from like a place of love. Yes. Oh, and that's that moment when the lights dimmed, super awkward for you guys, but like way <laughs> comfortable for me, Absolutely. just so you know.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: When we met, you were not a real estate agent. You were selling your mom's house. We were staging your mom's house, yes. which I think we ended up doing a couple of times because she moved a couple of times and we did it multiple times for her. And you guys just keep coming back to us. And then all of a sudden, like, when did you make the change? When did this happen?
2: In a feat of amazing timing, it seemed like pandemic time was a good time to step out of my 12 years of federal employment. And into the real estate market, Um, (laughs) uh, yeah. I mean, why not, right? By my education, I'm a social worker. I think I mentioned, and I had spent the past 12 years at the VA, and I was managing the mental health clinic on the Vancouver side of the river. And I loved many, many things about it, and I think it taught me so many amazing skills. And I will always stick true to my social worky roots. Like I I think social justice is the reason that I stepped into that field, and I aim to kind of keep that with me always. But uh, We had this remarkable real estate agent, like you said, Justin. I'm from the house of Kellen. So a handful of years ago, um, when Glenn and I sort of solidified our relationship, we came together and we were like, yay, let's sell our little first houses that we both somehow managed to pull together enough money to buy these tiny little spots. And so we came to Beth and we said, we'd like to sell our houses. You know, we want to do that with you and we want to buy something for us. And Beth sort of looked at us and was like, oh, don't sell your houses. And we were like, what? What are you talking about?
1: We should give a little bit of context. Yes. Beth Kellen was our first guest on behind the yard sign. (laughs) She's a real estate agent here in Portland with Windermere. And she was your real estate agent at the time. Okay. This is what we said about the house of Kellen. This all comes Uh from Beth Kellen. Uh Yes. Continue.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, Beth really at that moment started us on our investment journey. And Glenn is a general contractor. And so, we started the process of um, buying houses locally. So, in that moment, we held on to our two first houses and we bought a house together. We were able to put that together. It was a house that needed tons of work. And Glenn was able to do that. So, from there, we then were able to pull equity out and kind of continued that journey. So, we have a small number of rentals here. We love providing housing for folks. We love being great landlords. And Glenn is able to do the work that's needed to love these little kind of shitholes is what we usually find back to their glory (laughs) um, and provide good housing for folks locally. So, So that was my first taste of real estate. I was like, wow, this is amazing. There are things about that process that are so much fun and so engaging. And so that was my first taste. And then it just kind of kept growing. And then we also turned into having a personal... Relationship with Beth. She threw my mom's multiple, Justin, as you already alluded to, through my mom's uh, <laughs> buying and selling of various houses until she found her fit. We worked with Beth through that as well, and we just became friends. And I just kind of got a little bit more of an inside glimpse into real estate. And I started to think about the fact that I was no longer feeling like my career at the VA was sustainable for me, you know, mostly because I couldn't get through a, a meeting without dropping an F bomb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it started to become clear that I was a little bit. <laughs> (laughs) burnt out and that maybe it was time for me, you know, in a leadership position, I think it's so important that you're able to be kind of that calm, cool, collected presence. And I just, I couldn't do it where I was anymore. I was really done and and wanting more flexibility because Glenn and I now have a five-year-old and so family... Uh just became really important and and real estate just as sort of terrifying as it is in some ways especially because I didn't intend to quit this sort of stability that I had in the middle of a pandemic. I jumped in. I have officially been licensed since the end of April and I I left the VA finally I think in the end of June officially. Wow.
0: So, it's a really big switch from federal employment to entrepreneurship. <laughs> is extremely different but very fulfilling. I did something
2: very similar. I left federal employment and started a business. Did you? Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like it is. It's exhilarating and terrifying. All at the same time. Yeah you're like you're like From moment to moment. This is fun, but I really (laughs) miss my TSP right now. (laughs) Yes.
1: Usually one of our questions about working is how COVID has affected your business. And you're saying that like COVID hit in March, you got licensed in April, you started working in May. So you've never known real estate as an agent
2: outside of yeah. COVID? I have not. I think I had laid the tracks enough ahead of me that there was no way for me. I mean, there was definitely a moment where I was like, maybe this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. And maybe I need to rethink this. But I think at that point, the momentum was going. And so there was no possibility for of shifting for me. Honestly, I think that COVID, I think I'm going to find the world open up at the other end of COVID with real estate, because there's lots of things I've just had to think through differently. Mm-hmm. You know, I've really really had to rely on my sphere of folks. My first couple of clients came from yeah. people I knew at the VA. Yeah, I think I've had to do that really differently than I might have otherwise. Yeah.
1: I think in, in that right around that time, that April, May time, our mantra at Spade and Archer was there are no good answers. There are only slightly less <laughs> shitty answers. And so I'm thinking that, like, making an entire career change at this point probably came down to, like, it was the slightly less shitty answer than staying in your job.
2: Absolutely. And because, (laughs) you know, once again, all the things that I, yeah, it was just like the the ball was rolling. You know, we had sort of anticipated that once we knew that Glenn was staying busy enough with the projects that she had on board, it became like, all right, well, this is what's presented. Like, there's no better time than now, even if now is... (laughs) I feel (laughs) like it's it's actually
0: such a blessing because I think in times of chaos, some of our more veteran agents, you kind of want to cling to what you know and like you're not really motivated to make a whole lot more changes inside so much uncertainty, but you were taking on a very uncertain process, you're doing everything for the first time anyway, you have a beginner's mind, you're like, I've never done any of this stuff. So I'm just here to adapt and roll with it. Anyway, I really do believe that a lot of the things that have changed in real estate are going to be here to stay. You know, like I think online listings are going to be more important than ever. I think stagings would be more important. I think showing people and doing as much virtually as possible is going to stay with us. I don't think we're going to go back to as in-person as it was. I mean, I think real estate will come back to being more belly-to-belly, person-to-person like it was more so than right now, but I don't think it's going to go all the way back given how much tech now people understand how to use. So I think it's actually really cool the time that you've come in.
2: Yeah, I mean, Kelly, that's such a good point. I think I didn't have the opportunity to, you know, I wasn't trying to break bad habits or change anything up. I just had to roll with what was presented. (laughs) I am ultimately a glass half full kind of person. And so trying to make the best of what I had in that moment moment. And I absolutely think that there were some gifts in this for me, even if gifts, it's hard to say that about the past year, isn't it? Like, I just feel sure. so incredibly grateful for so many of the things that we do have, but it, it definitely presented a different opportunity than I expected.
1: <laughs> so Kelly and I were talking before you came out of the green room, we were talking about working with spouses. And I told a long <laughs> story about why Joe and I do not work together. One of the things that you do is that your wife is a general contractor, and not only a general contractor, she just a total badass. Believe me, I know <laughs> as her biggest fan. And so one of the things that you have to do is you have to have this live work balance where Glenn is a a service provider, you are a client, and you're also representing clients. So when your client comes back and is like, I'm mad at Glenn, and I want you to tell her that I'm mad. How do you handle that? Like changing of the hats? where like, Glenn is your wife at home, but then she's your contractor at work. Like, how does that work?
2: I mean, it's all just beautiful, like long walks on the beach and Mm. candlelit dinners. And you know, (laughs) it's all seamless. And there's never any conflict. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's such a great question, Justin. I mean, I think stepping into this field feeling like I'm definitely humble at this point, like I know so little about the ins and outs. I mean, I'm still finding my way in such a significant way with real estate. And so initially I have felt very careful about using Glenn in scenarios where I need a contractor in one way or another. The flip side of that is that I feel like one of the things, I feel like it's so difficult to get service providers, particularly for agents who need bids or quotes or things like that. And so there are instances where I have used her in a way that um, I didn't necessarily expect to. It's an advantage. Yes, it it really has. It really is. And it really has been. And luckily, thus far, things have mostly gone very smoothly because so much of my business so far has been folks that we already knew kind of in my sphere. So she's worked with folks that she actually had a previous contractor relationship with. So that's helped. Uh, Yesterday morning, she was not super happy with me when I was like, hey, babe, I actually need to move a refrigerator. And uh, (laughs) would you be available to do that? So there was a refrigerator. Oh, because we're <laughs> yeah. showing
1: up tomorrow, like <laughs> yes. as in today. Yes. Like, we are literally staging a house for you as we're yes, recording exactly. this podcast. Yes. Yeah. And-
2: and Justin, I may have used you as a part of my, you know, the Spade and Archer team, Justin's going to, they're going to show up. We need this. They said the refrigerator has to go. Like, can you help me out? Totally so. <laughs> true. The relationship yes. they have, totally <laughs> throw Justin under the bus. Of course, he's going right. to the refrigerator. It's really for Justin. Yeah. It's yeah. not even for me, babe.
1: Yeah. You don't want to break Justin's heart. I no. I mean, he'd be really sad. <laughs> no.
2: No. <laughs> We're we're definitely will continue to navigate
1: that. It's and I think it's one of those questions that a lot of agents have out there because as entrepreneurs, it is very easy to reach out and grab the people that are in your sphere and be like, you're gonna be part of my team, you're gonna be part of my team to go out and find strangers is really hard. My personal family, not my immediate family, but my extended family is all very, very dysfunctional. The thought of having somebody work for me it feels like that TV show Arrested Development where like it would just be all kinds of bad. That being said, Glenn is very functional, you're very functional, you guys have a very functional relationship. And so I can see how that could work. But I think that a lot of real estate agents have that question of like, you know, what's it going to look like if my nephew comes in, and he's my assistant, or if I have my mom be my transaction coordinator, how is that going to work? How do I balance that? And so maybe the first place is have a functional relationship.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, like all of us, I mean, there's just so many challenges right now. I think we're all working to the pressures put on our relationship these days, since that's the person you spend most of your time time with is real different than it used to be, like without the outlets and without the but I do agree that learning to have those hard conversations and try and move towards functionalities. That's the that's the foundation for any sort of business relationship with a family for sure.
1: Amy, what fuels your tank? What gets you going? What makes you happy?
2: Oh, gosh, I think that there are so many things that I try and stay engaged with. I think having being busy in my brain is definitely important. And I I come to this work because I love service work. I mean, I think that's why I was a social worker for Mm -hmm. so many years. I totally aim to keep that going. I'm doing some volunteer work with Portland Street Medicine. I'm trying to stay committed to my social work roots. And in this field, I think what fuels my tank the most is the moments that I can help clients make connections, that I can make this house buying or house selling process a little easier for folks. (laughs) The refrigerator move, for example, like just being able to bring in and take some stress off my clients and be a connector, be someone that can bring folks with the, connect them to the services and the providers that they need. I think that that is really something that in this work I'm loving. Like that makes me feel really successful. We were
1: talking yesterday around this idea of the kickback team. Yes. Do you remember yes. in, in like fourth grade when you guys played kickball and everybody would line up and there'd be two captains and you would take turns picking your team? I, being the like sissy boy that I was and probably still am at this point in fourth grade, I was always the last kid picked. Like always. It was like me and the fat kid. We're like the last two and we're like, oh crap. And it makes you feel terrible. And one of the things we talked about that lightens a real estate agent's day is when you get picked. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's one of those few jobs that's out there that when you're the last kid to get picked or when your sister or your cousin or your best friend of 20 years picks somebody else, you still get that feeling, right? How do you deal with that
2: Ugh. feeling? How do you... Justin, I I went into this knowing that that was going to be one of my biggest challenges because I'm a super sensitive creature, you know, and that has there's some great things about that, and then there's some things that are just fucking terrible about it. And I watch my son because he's definitely a super sensitive kid too, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm so sorry I passed that on to you. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's a gift, it it's a, a gift. gift in many ways, mm-hmm. but it's also like sometimes I'm I'm definitely going to have to make sure that I yeah that I thicken my skin because it is really hard. I'm very aware that I'm not always going to be chosen. And man, you feel like a million bucks when you're chosen, right? When somebody calls high. like my first couple transactions, I was like, really, you know, I'm brand new at this. You're really going to trust me with this huge transaction. You really feel good enough about me. Like I was floating on air there for a while with those. I think that just putting it all into context is probably something I need to do. Like there was a situation where I had had a great connection with a woman at an open house. And, you know, we had talked a couple of times. I felt like I was totally a shoe in and I, I felt like I was going to be able to be so helpful to her. And, and this was kind of my first big experience with not being chosen. And I just wanted to sit down and cry. Mm-hmm. I was, I felt really devastated by it. And I was like, all right, Romberg, you're going to have to pull it together here because this is going to happen, right? This <laughs> is a part course. of his business.
1: I love that your your inner voice is your fourth grade PE oh, teacher. Romper. All right, Absol- That's like,
2: exactly <laughs> what it is. It needs to be like, we got to be kind of stern. We're not messing around here. Like, pick it back up and keep going.
1: I never got picked first for the soccer, for the kickball team. But they did make me and the fat kid the captains once. Yes. And I got to pick the entire uh, team, which like, I got to say, like, maybe that's even better. Maybe that's why I started my own company. Because I was like, I'm just the captain. You don't have to pick me. It's fine.
0: I'm starting to understand <laughs> like, Justin's entire motivation for owning his whole business. Business and it really all yes. goes back to
2: gig ball <laughs> and you know what? I'm not surprised. <laughs> It's all clicking together, Kelly. I mean,
0: you're a social worker. You know, everything goes back to childhood trauma. Let's be real. Right. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I had no idea that like kickball affected me so much. And I'm not the only one. I mean, I've been watching a lot of RuPaul Drag Race Untucked, which is like the behind the scenes thing. And they do that a lot. And they talk a lot about being the last kid because yeah. as drag queens, when these guys were kids, they were like, you yeah. know, little sissy boys. And they were always last one picked. And so when that, that person gets picked last even even amongst their peers, it's crushing. And it's such a stupid minor thing, and yet we still seek approval yeah. of those around us, especially the ones that love us. You're like, but you love me and I love you. And why wouldn't you pick yes. me? And it's, it is a, it's a tough journey for sure. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. much so.
2: Absolutely. And it pops its head up sometimes, you know, you think like, oh, I'm over my kickball trauma. <laughs> and then all of a sudden something kicks it. it up again. And you're like, oh, there it is. It's still there.
1: <laughs> you could write a book on this, absolutely. Amy. The kickball yes. trauma. <laughs> <Just like>
2: totally. <laughs> (laughs)
1: by Amy Romberg. Tell us about your worst day in real estate.
2: Oh my gosh. I mean, I think so much of this is learning to manage my own anxiety around being in business for myself. So there's lots of days where I'm like, Oh my God, what have I done? And I can think of one and it actually had a really good ending in part because there was this incredibly gracious agent on the other side. And I was writing an offer for some friends and he is a from a very successful real estate investing family. Like they know what they're doing. I was Totally flattered that they were like, you know, changing agents because they were wanting to work with me, and so it was a complicated offer in lots of ways. There was a ten thirty one involved. There was some really meaty information in this addendum, um, which of course I referenced in the sales agreement, and then in a feat of genius forgot to attach as I sent it to the listing agent. And I realized a couple hours later that I had not attached this addendum. And this addendum really contained the pieces of, of the offer that were most important to my clients. So the first thing I did was just cry.
1: Well, you picked up your heart off the floor. Yes! Yeah,
2: <laughs> I just like, I had this wash of terrified shame about like, oh my God, I've ruined this whole, you know, I just like had this really intense moment, you know, flood of anxiety about what I was going to do about it and the only thing I could think of was like exactly pick myself up off the floor and call the agent because that's obviously what needs to happen so I called him and I was like mostly pulled together but I'm also someone who cries very readily as Glenn could tell you which is sometimes really annoying but tears are like my go-to if <laughs> I get too. mad I cry if I get yes it's
1: <laughs> just a pause for just one moment yes. as somebody who is not a go-to cryer yeah. like that's not my general emotion it's taken me 45 years to realize that not everybody who cries is sad Yeah, like for me crying is associated with sadness I think a lot of men feel that that we cry when we're sad and so when you're in an argument with a female or with somebody who's a go to crier and they are frustrated and they cry or they're anxious and they cry or they're mad and they cry it's incredibly confusing and you're like why are you sad because we're taught that like that's what sadness is is you cry Yeah. it took me sitting down and having a Actually, we were at dinner with you and Beth Callen, yes and we talked about this idea that, like, sometimes people cry because of other reasons besides sadness. Yeah. Since that time, it's been about a year since we that dinner, and since that time, I've had discussions with so many people where people are on the phone, they're upset, and they're crying, and they immediately apologize to me. Yeah. Because society has told them that crying is not an acceptable behavior when you're upset. And I keep saying the same thing over and over again. You do not need to apologize. Everybody deals with anger in different ways. And the way that you're dealing with it is crying. And that is okay. And I got to tell you, the second you say that, man the negotiations go so much smoother everything gets smoothed out because they just feel like they're being heard at that point yeah. and I gotta say if there are any women or men out there that your go-to reaction for any of those emotions is to cry it is okay you are still a good person there's nothing wrong with you that's just the way you deal with it back to your story
2: oh uh, thank you Justin I mean I think it took me like 12 years of professional life to realize that first of all to sort of feel like I could manage my crying because it would just come up and you know it would come up when I was mad it would come up when I was frustrated or felt shame or it was sort of like it was just there. So learning to manage that and also try to be kind to myself around it. <laughs> and be grateful that I can out that I am such an emotional like I can just let it roll out of me
1: and there's nothing wrong with that and there's also nothing wrong with not crying that is okay too and
2: I've heard I've had people say to me we're like well
1: you were just told you weren't supposed to and I was like uh no I yeah that's just not my that's just not how I react. yeah it's not that it's wrong or bad it's just that we're coming from different places and we're not understanding each other and that's okay
2: yeah absolutely all right sorry
1: back to your story okay so the heart (laughs) drops you pick up the phone and And
2: I'm fine I'm sort of done sobbing and i was like i guess here in this story i would like to give a tremendous shout out to martin cross at living room because he was the kindest person on the other end of the phone and he oh. was like yeah i thought there was some information i was missing and then i like of started, started to crumble a little bit and he was like hey we're all human and i was just like holy shit Thank you. Like, he could have been so mad. He could have been just frustrated and, you know, or he could have just shamed me about it. And instead, he completely validated the fact that, like, we all make mistakes. We all fuck up. Like, we're all just... And it it just, like, it was, like, this wash over me of, like, okay... It's all going to be okay. I didn't ruin the world. Like we're going to be okay here. <laughs> and he just just his kindness like took that moment that was like definitely my worst real estate moment so far and turned it into something that like I periodically hear his head his voice in my head now like we're all human. We're all human. And I hope I can take that kind of consideration and kindness into a transaction where I'm on the other end where somebody forgets something or somebody messes something up. We're all just bumble around doing the best we can here. Like none of us are yeah. are seamless in our presentations.
1: I love that idea of like traumatic goodness when you are so (laughs) expecting to get run over by a train and somebody hands you a bouquet of flowers instead. I love that idea. And I also love that you took the time to like call him out yeah. and you know, our listener is going to be like, huh? No to self Martin cross. If I can't hire any lumber, <laughs> I'm going to hire that guy yeah. instead. Yeah. He's... So thank you for doing that. And and I also love that idea of someday somebody's going to forget something for you and you're going to give them grace. Yeah, And that's just So lovely. I
2: mean, that's all we can (laughs) fucking do right now. Right. We're just like, it's such a, it's just a mess out there. It's so, there's so much complication and so many hardships. And I mean, I think giving everybody, giving each other just a little bit of grace is the least we can do. (laughs) So
1: can you tell me about your best day in real estate? Oh my god. You were like, fuck yeah, this is why I'm
2: here. I mean, I think there's a lot of them. I think some of the examples might be like, when in the, <laughs> I'm sorry to start with this one, but when I get the chance to like take a run in the middle of the day, and I'm imagining all of my previous colleagues sitting at their desks, when I, you know, get to pick up and drop my kiddo off at school, when I get picked, I mean, fuck, that feels amazing. When you get the <laughs> random text message, I got a good one yesterday from a referral of someone I know that were like, Hey, we hear great things about you. And like your heart is just, you're just elated. You're like, yes, I'm on top of the world here. And you know, in the moment yes. you can ref, you can move that fucking refrigerator. Like I know it's not me moving it. Thank you, Glenn. Uh- <laughs> um, <laughs> but the moment you can make something happen for somebody, this listing that's coming on that you guys are probably midway through staging right now. I feel like I have made their lives so much easier by, by helping them take care of some of the things that needed to be done. I am such a believer in good strong preparation for for putting a house on the market mm-hmm. and Justin I'm sure that <laughs> all comes from my connection to you. And of course, House of Kellen, because Mm -hmm. we're, we're prophets here. So, so, I mean, I think when I'm able to make a difference in a client's life, I've also had the chance to work with, I had a first time home buyer. She had gotten a bunch of grants from the city. She'd done all this work. She just really had come a long way. It had a couple of kids really had to do a lot of work to get herself into a home. And it had been a dream of hers for really a lot of years and helping her make that happen. Oh, that was definitely one of my my favorite days so far.
1: I love that that the first thing you said is that what I love most about real estate is not doing Yes, I, I know. I was like, this is
2: probably the worst thing to say here, but it's just the, f- no, it's the flexibility. I, I, I mean, and then there's the weekend where I'm going to have to work through somebody's birthday party because, you know, there's the flip side of that. Sure. But I'm really appreciating the, you know, how I can work and how I can be in charge of my own schedule for sure. It's yeah, great. And I
1: think a lot of times people forget that that is one of the great advantages. Mm-hmm. You know, being an entrepreneur, owning, your know, Business means that you can work whenever you want, and you also have to work whenever you want. (laughs)
0: My favorite joke about entrepreneurship is yeah, be an entrepreneur. You can work whatever 20 hours of the day you want.
2: Yes.
0: Kelly, that's so good. Yes. I, Total freedom.
2: Yeah. I mean, Glenn and I have had some conversations. I mean, she also is, you know, she has her own business. She's been in it longer than I have. So she has probably clearer, more established boundaries with when she responds to work. But I am definitely realizing that like, I have to be really good about putting it down. I've kind of drawn a boundary in the morning. We get up, I take my son. He's, he is lucky enough to go out of that house for some sort of emergency childcare slash kindergarten right now. But I, I block that time off in the morning and I try not to respond to anything because I just get totally distracted. I cannot focus if I start looking at my phone at that time of day. And what I really need to do is just focus on, you know, it's hard enough to get a five-year-old out the door. Bless people who have multiple children. I don't know how you do it. <laughs>
1: I know. Bless single parents. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Yes. There's two of us and one kid. I'm like, (laughs) how do you do when you're a single parent? It's amazing. Yeah. Yes. I
2: totally agree.
1: Amy, where can we find you on the interwebs?
2: I mean, if you just Google me, I am out there. I have a website through Windermere. I'm easy to find as our most real estate agents. I think now, Justin, I'm hoping you can find it easily.
1: (laughs) Amy Romberg. So great to have you here today. Thank you so much. Amy is with Windermere Real Estate in Portland, Oregon. You can find her at amyromberg.withwre.com. Um, Amy, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate
2: it. Oh, thank you both. It was so nice to meet you, Kelly. Thank you for the pancakes and the hot tub. Yeah. It was really, it's do. been an amazing. <laughs> Take care, both of you. Thanks thank again. You.
1: How delightful is Amy Romberg?
0: She is so adorable, and I am so excited for her because she's brand new as an agent, post-COVID life, and killing it. She is the kind of agent that I think so many prospective agents are looking to become. She's reached success in her first year. I mean, I think it's amazing. Every time we talk to people, they say, oh, you know, all they tell us is that you're not going to be successful for two or three years. And here she is, year one, and she's crushing it.
1: Killing it. I mean, that woman is a star to watch. Mm. And I just, I love her ability to be vulnerable and talk about, you know, talk about like the kickball game and being not being picked and how it returns us back to to like being 10 years old and she's like, all right, Ron Berg, get it together here. <laughs> and I just, it just makes so much sense and these are the things that nobody talks about in real estate and honestly, it's what I love about Behind the Yard Sign because yeah. we're talking about the aspects of real estate that no other podcast is talking about. We're not talking about the dollars and the investments and the, right. the comparative market sure. analysis. We're talking about the real guts of the emotional side yeah. of real estate. Honestly, at Spade and Archer, that's what we concentrate on all the time. is the emotional side because in this buying process which lasts a total of five to seven minutes that buying process when you walk through a house and you realize like this is the house we're going to buy that is an emotional decision making process right we talk about emotional versus logical decision making so an emotional decision would be like you walk into a space and there's a buffet out and you're like cheesecake and you that's just like an emotional decision it's really really fast it comes uh, without even really thinking about it it's you It's your gut reaction to it. The logical side would be like, actually, it's a vegan dairy-free cheesecake and I don't really want that. (laughs) Because that is gonna taste like a whole bunch of dust. And so once you've taken the time to get past that emotional thought process and you get to that logical thought process, always slower, it's always gonna take a longer time, but logical is usually a better answer than emotional um, because you've taken all of the data into account, the quantifiable data and made an analysis of that and then come to a conclusion. Must have done all my big words today. Absolutely. And so we know for a fact that people decide to buy houses in five to seven minutes. And five to seven minutes is not enough time to do a thorough inspection of the house nope. and to do a cost market analysis and to make all the decisions that are that are evolved around that. And so when we talk about this idea of homestaging, when you walk into a house and you're looking at it, we want to make sure that that person feels wonderful the entire time they're in that house. And so it's little things like not making them take off their shoes or knowing where exactly their master bedroom bed is going to go when they're inside the Mm -hmm. house or where their TV is going to go to make those things as easy as, as to understand as possible now. COVID has brought out something that I think is not the best idea in the real estate world become very popular as of late, which is virtual.
0: Oh, boo.
1: You've seen it, right? Oh,
0: yeah, the photos are terrible or the renderings whatever you call it, whatever you call it. They're not really photos. <laughs> whatever they are, look terrible.
1: Yeah. It's gotten better. It's got I mean it used to be like, okay, sure enough you did put furniture into a room. At least make it look like that. I have to wonder if you have a choice between any piece of furniture in the known universe why you would pick bed in the bag from Bed Bath right. and Beyond. I have no idea. Right. Or that really super ugly like 1980s couch with a moose velour pattern on it. I have <laughs> no clue why you would do that, but it has gotten a little bit better. But here is the basic crux of why virtual staging is a terrible idea. Have you ever been on a dating platform before?
0: Um, yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: You know, like what? What are they? Tinder, Bumble for the straight people.
0: Bumble, The League. Sure. On and on. On
1: the gay side, we have Scruff, Growler, and Grinder. You've been on those sites before. And have you ever had that experience where you click on a guy's picture or on a girl's picture and you're like, wow, so good looking. And like you show up at the restaurant and not at all. Yep. what that person looked like on those pictures. Yep. I have been in that situation too. Did you stick around for that date? Did you like get married to that person? Did it work?
0: Um, no. Did we have a second date? Uh, no. No.
1: no. And here's the reason why. Number one, the very, very first communication they had with you was a lie. Yeah. Do you not trust that person? No. Even if they aren't the best looking person in the world, at least if they had a realistic representation of what they look like. Right. You know, I mean, I will fully admit my headshot is within an inch of fiction. It's a very idealized version of what I look like. The lighting has been corrected, but it didn't like, you know, change my nose or anything. Right. What virtual staging does is it tells a lie of what the house is going to look like. And so when a client goes on, they look at virtual staging and they're like, oh, this is really cool. This house works out really well. The f- staging is done well. I like it. I'm going to go look at it. They walk in the house expecting to see all that stuff there. And instead they walk in and it's like dirty carpets and a torchier floor lamp. Ooh, boom. All of a sudden they're like, oh, wah, wah, wah. Is the main emotion that you want a client to have when they walk into a house for the first time disappointment? Right. Is that how we want them to feel? No, we do not want that. In fact, I even get mad when people use that photography thing that's like the triple exposure where it's all three fields are perfectly in focus and they almost kind of start looking like cartoons. You know Mm -hmm, what I'm talking about? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That really, really, really powerfully clean photography. It's too much makes people believe that spaces are bigger than they really are that they're better light than they really are i feel like good hometown light corrected photos are perfect good enough yeah. don't do that triple exposure yeah. thing i want them to walk into that i want them to see that house and have a very realistic idea of exactly what that house is if it's the right house for them that's the house they're going to buy and i want them to walk in that house and i want them to say these people did not lie to me they told me the truth what i see is what i get And now I'm related to to go forward and talk to these people and communicate with them because before they get that house, they're going to have to deal with you as the seller. And if you started off that conversation with a lie, they're never going to trust you. And all of this virtual staging is a lie.
0: Anytime I have a strong emotion about anything, positive or negative, I kind of do an assessment like what you were talking about before. We have our mind brain, our heart brain, and our gut brain. Our gut brain is mostly concerned with safety. So when you say gut reaction, it's because it's a, it's like our quickest response because our bodies are built for survival and it's about, is this a safe decision? Our heart brain is mostly concerned with connection. For example, Using your heart brain, you know, in a housing transaction is more like: Can my partner and I connect over this? Can or are, are, is there going to be a conflict here? Can we get on the same page? And then your your mind brain, your logical brain, is concerned with: Does this make financial sense? Is this going to be is going to be an easy process? Yeah. Can I afford it? You know, all the numbers, all the things. Visually, what's being presented first of all calms your gut reaction because you're like, this is safe. All my stuff's going to fit in this house. This is a really functional, joyful place to live. And it calms that safety. Connection.
1: No one's trying to trick me. No one's
0: trying to trick me. This is real. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. No one's trying to fool me. I'm not going to be a fool. I'm going to be safe. From a connection, I think it's really amazing because without our physical stage and you and your partner go in to this situation, you are interpreting and imagining the spaces differently. You have two different brains and no one's helping you. Mm-hmm. When you walk in, mm-hmm. you and your partner are experiencing the exact same thing, you know, the same page. Right. Yep. And then logically speaking, you know, I do marketing for a home staging company, but I'm not naturally a designer. So I get overwhelmed. I'm a very like logical person when it comes to like designing a space or looking at, but I get overwhelmed because it's not my gift. And so for me going into a home, if I was about to purchase one, it would be like, oh, all of this makes sense. And I have a really great vision of where everything needs to go. I feel my logical brain, my detail brain, this makes sense to me. We're going to be able to fit our stuff in here. Cool, cool, cool. Then you can get into the financial stuff and well, this makes sense and all of those things. But you are really trying to square three different things at once and virtual staging just doesn't help you out. No. No.
1: It really sets you off on the wrong road. Now, I will fully admit, we're home stagers. And so, you know, of we're course, biased. we're not going to like virtual Obviously. staging. But there is a bias there. But that being said, I've heard agents complain about a myriad of different things, whether it's from scale or style right. to making it look realistic. But I've never really heard agents talk about this idea of that, like, oh, by the way, you completely disappoint your people when they walk into the store for the first time. And believe me, I have had so many people come to me like, you should do virtual staging. Sure. And that's where it's all going. You should do the... you should do this and I'm like oh it would be really tough for me to do something I don't believe in it would be hard for me to sell something that I just didn't believe in I mean could we do it for cheaper yeah we totally do it for cheaper but you want a steak from a steakhouse or do you want a burger from McDonald's you're getting beef either way and McDonald's is always going to be cheaper is it going to be good (laughs) and you
0: know it says a lot that this is the craziest time ever in real estate. It's pretty nuts and pretty unpredictable and we're still busy and we're still going. So what does that say about physical staging like the way that we do that people keep coming back. We have incredibly loyal clients who know this for a fact. These are professionals who sell homes for a living and they know that physical staging sells a house and that virtual staging does not. So I mean I think that we don't ever have to question what we're offering because the proof is in the pudding and the proof is in the sales and people come back to us and they're just thrilled about us and how many people come to us and like, oh, we, we tried virtual staging, it was a terrible choice, and blah blah blah, blah. you know, and it didn't
1: work. It didn't yeah. work.
0: They learn their lesson, <laughs> they come back, you know. So it's just like, and we're a company, we're incredibly forward-thinking. We always want to provide the best possible service to our agents. We've had these conversations. We're like, is this does this make sense? And it's just like every time it gets brought up, we're like, this just does not make sense, no matter how you square it.
1: Bringing it back to Amy Romberg, yeah. I have had so many agents say to me, I want to stage, and someday when I'm good enough. I will start staging. And I find it to be a really interesting concept. Someday when I'm good enough, I will start staging my projects. You look at somebody like Amy, she's nine months into this. We're doing her third project today. There was never a point where she was like, someday when I'm good enough... Her attitude was, I'm going to do it right.
0: Yeah.
1: She was talking to me. She was like, what do you mean people can't convince their clients to stage? And I was like, I find that if real estate agents believe in staging, their clients yes, believe in agreed. staging. If they don't, their clients yeah. don't. And Amy came from the house of Kellen and yeah. you know Beth Kellen has been staging with us for years. And there's never a question like you're putting a house in the market, you stage it. That's what we do. Yeah. And so this idea of like someday when I'm good enough, I'm going to do staging. I don't think that is the correct concept. I think the correct concept is I believe in this and I'm going to do it, period. If you don't believe in it, don't do it. That's fine. No big deal. If you do, do it.
0: Why would you want to wake up and say, not only do I want to sell houses, but I want to do the same job as all my vendors? That sounds like, yeah. that sounds <laughs> yeah. horrible. Like, I have no interest in, like, make your life easier by yes. hiring yes. out. I mean, Absolutely. just like you said, you work, you know, you've worked yourself out of the business and that's how you, be, you became a leader, a founder in this business and how it's been around for so long and successful is that you hire out other things and you focus on what you're oh, good yeah. at. You are, as a, there's 22 of us. Yes
1: at this point. Right. I mean, I, there's no way I could do this by myself at this Definitely point. It not. just wouldn't be possible. Yes. No, I agree with that. Our guest today was Amy Romberg with Windermere Real Estate. You can find her at amyromberg.withwre.com. You can find us at spade-archer.com. I want to say thank you so much. The response around the podcast has been amazing for the last couple of months. Thank you so much to all the people who have reached out So you want to tell a story I've got you on my list. If you've got a story that you want to tell on Behind the Yard Sign, reach out to us. You can find us at spade-archer.com. Click on the podcast link. Our music was composed and performed by Joff Metz. You can find him at 5starguitars.com. Kellyanne Hanahan, it's always a
0: pleasure. Thank you, Justin. Bye.
1: This production of Behind the Yard Sign was brought to you live from the Spade and Archer Studios. Spade and Archer Design Agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager.